Hello, and welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. For more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our website, scriptsandscribes.com. But first, I'm pleased to have on the show today a top lit manager and producer. He started Underground Films in 2001 and has built an enviable client list of feature and TV writers and directors. His producing resume includes License to Wed, starring Robin Williams, John Krasinski, and Mandy Moore, the Robert Pattinson film Remember Me, and All About Steve, starring Sandra Bullock and Bradley Cooper, and about a dozen other films. He was named to Hollywood Reporter's next-gen list of top 35, under 35, and he's also an alumni of my alma mater, USC, Fight On. I'm pleased to have on the one, the only, Trevor Engelson. Thanks for coming. Thanks on for having me. Thanks for having me. You make me sound very fancy. <laughs> I think you are pretty That's, fancy. Uh, thanks, brother. That was, that was very nice of you. Um, first off, we always like to find out a little bit more about you. I know you went to SC. Uh, you worked as an assistant at Endeavor for a year at some point and worked as a yeah. PA on Deep Blue Sea when you started. Then what? How did you become a manager and producer? Well, I, I grew up in Long Island in Great Neck, and um, you know it's kind of a long ways away from from I guess you can call it Hollywood. And I've always wanted to be in this sort of crazy world, and didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to direct, I guess, when I was younger. And then when I went to SC, uh, I realized you needed talent to do that. So <laughs> I was out the window real fast, and I was very. Um, very interested since I was in high school. I was lucky that I knew what I wanted to do from a pretty young age. So I was kind of set on a path to kind of narrow that down from a young age. So I used to PA when I was in high school in New York or wherever I could get my hands on any kind of jobs. And then eventually I ended up moving to SC where I started interning during the summers at like the Tonight Show and a bunch of other places and uh, independent films and stuff like that. And then after... I graduated, and my first job was a, a production assistant on Deep Blue Sea, that shark movie with yep. Rennie Harlan. Mm-hmm. And from there, I went to the producers, and and I kind of watched what they did, and they didn't. They were great at what they did, but they just didn't look like they were working that hard. <laughs> and they were, you know, making a bunch of money, and they had the cutest girls on set, and I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. That looks like a good job. <laughs> and uh, they. <laughs> They said, you want to do what I do? I said, yeah. They said, well, you got to be an agent first. I said, okay, help me out. And I had like read a bunch of books about it, but didn't know much. And then eventually ended up, uh, Alan Rich actually helped me get into Endeavor when it was like year five at Endeavor. So it was a really exciting time to be there. I was in the mailroom yeah. there. And um, that was a lot of fun, learning a lot, asking a lot of questions, delivering shit all over town in my car. Mm-hmm. And then eventually got into the physical mailroom, and then from there got to a um, a desk, a motion picture literary desk for a, a great guy named Chris Donnelly, who had just started his business, and he now represents like you know Scorsese and all those kinds of guys. And at the time, he was just kind of getting going, so I learned a lot of what it was like to sort of call around and introduce yourself around town. And we, uh, I lucked out and, um, I got fired from that desk. <laughs> um, uh, I, I was doing some stupid shit, to be honest with you. Hey, everybody's like got to have a story like that, right? Yeah, I was like sending out specs from my desk while my boss was on vacation with like Endeavor letterhead and uh, thinking gotcha. it would get me promoted. <laughs> <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> so they said, you know, listen, you're not going to make it here. You're going to get fired, but we want to keep you as a friend of the family because we think you're going to be doing something good in this business. So right. stick around, find a replacement, find a job. And when you do, then we'll, we'll, uh, you know, help you make a transition. 
and that was really nice of him. So I found this small company. I knew I wouldn't be able to work at a big company again because it's just not my style. Mm-hmm. I would have gotten fired again for doing something like just <laughs> ambitious and yeah. you know, at these agencies they want you to or at these major companies in period uh, in general, they just really want you to kind of keep your head down and they say keep your blinders on and your day will come and that just at that point in my life was just not kosher and that was not going to happen. Yeah. So I needed to find the smallest place I could where they needed a hustler to kind of bring some food to the table. And I found a really small management company. I tried to work for my like heroes like JC Spink and Michael Bonnetson, but they wouldn't have me. <laughs> and uh, I started working on this really tiny company called Oz Films. It was uh, Osborne and Zarno. Okay. Zarno ran the production, oh, sorry, the management side, and Osborne ran the production side. They had a first look deal with Phoenix Pictures where Nick used to be an executive. And um, he, they very nicely took me in to be their assistant. And after that, they split up and I stayed with Nick and started the management side from scratch. And then we became partners. And then we just started making a bunch of cool things happen, growing the company and getting some really fun writers and some guys that I still work with this day, like the Hageman brothers, for example. And, um, you know, I eventually bought Nick out a couple of years ago when he was writing a bunch of stuff and started selling some stuff as a writer and wanted to write full time. So we said, you know, just go for it. So we worked out an exit agreement and uh, he's been kicking ass on the writing side ever since. He's actually still a client. Uh, we share with CAA, and he's doing real well, especially on the TV side. And, uh, you know, a lot of fun. No, that's great. So now we got um, one, two, three, what do we got? We got seven people now at Underground. Uh, we got a New York office, L.A. office. We got um, we represent writers and directors and actors, produce movies and TV shows. We also have a pretty big digital side of things, which is going to be moving forward. You know, also very important. Right, right. And um, it's just every day is a fucking adventure over here. It's a lot of fun. Well, that's great. Touching base on on the digital side and the producing side, you're a super busy manager with a lot on your plate, but also you develop a lot. How active yeah. do you get on the producing side? Is this something where you basically package it, get it all good to go, and, and set it off on its way? Or are you there in casting and doing that whole deal, too? Um, it depends on the project. You know, Some of these things, we're incredibly hands-on. Uh, we just shot a pilot for FX that uh, two of our clients at the time had one of our clients had come up with a cool idea and wanted to write it, uh, this guy, Eric Amadio. Mm-hmm. And he said, I got this really fun, cool idea about what it was like in the 80s when cocaine came in through the CIA into South Central and sort of changed the landscape of that entire city. And he grew up around that um, scene and, and was very well aware of it. And we said, we just signed John Singleton when we put you two together. And it was a great match. So they started working together and came up with a pitch and we sold it to Showtime and got a script and then when Showtime put it in a turnaround we sold it to FX and they gave us a bunch of dough to go shoot an awesome pilot and we're going to find out if that goes to the series real soon and for that one in particular you know we packaged it in house um, we teamed up with a phenomenally talented um, partner a guy named Michael London who's you know Academy Award nominated dude mm-hmm. who has like five shows in production right now and um 
we teamed up with him. So, you know, there are certain things that he would do and certain things we would do and certain things that I would absolutely say he has a lot more experience in. And we learned a lot from working with him and certain things that we were a little bit more hands-on on. And yeah, we were very involved in casting and development and um, every step of the way along the way for that one. Mm-hmm. And there's certain things that we have very little to do with, like, you know, all about Steve, for example. We just, since you brought that one up, we yeah. um, we we developed the screenplay with our client at the time, Kim Barker, and uh, we were very happy with that. Gave it to CAA. We got Sandra Bullock on board, and when Sandra came on board, she became you know incredibly hands-on as she should be, and uh, took very much control of the producing side of things, and got Bradley Cooper and a great cast, Ken Jeong, and great young director and you know made the movie we were on set for one day and had very little to do with anything so it just depends on the situation i can give you 10 more examples how they differ <laughs> right on you have a lot of veteran clients but every manager because we get this asked a lot does anybody know any reps who are looking for new clients and that seems to be that sort of quandary you're always looking for talent but you never really have time to look for talent and it's the kind of thing where so for a screenwriter a new screenwriter who's just finished their first screenplay what would you tell them their next step should be is it their first screenplay is that we're talking about yeah they finished their first i mean usually your first screenplay is going to suck yeah um you know but let's just say that you're that let's just say you're that rare writer who that first thing you write is awesome Okay. Right? Yeah. Then if it's that good, show it to some of your writer buddies and if they all agree this is really good, then do whatever the fuck you gotta do mm-hmm. to get it into the right hands. And the good news is, you know, good writing seems to, in my experience, always kinda of float its way to the top. Yeah. Um, if it's good, somebody else will say something about it and then eventually it'll end up in somebody's hands. You know, I'm asking people constantly, every day. Who should I be reading? Who should I be signing? I don't care how big or how small. Anybody you think could use some help. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always looking. Could be baby staff writers. Could be, you know, we just signed a, a great young writer. We shot a pilot for Comedy Central, and the PA was this uh, young woman who's former military, and she was, you know, telling me she's a writer. I said, let me read something, read something. I was just blown away. We signed her. Gersh just signed her, and, you know, and now she's got a job working for uh, Shonda Rhimes, and wow. she's uh, you know on her way to doing some really great things. So we're we're looking for we're lo- just as the only advice that I hope your listeners can really take is you know just as badly as you want to win, like studios and executives and buyers and of all kinds and executives and or, you know. Uh, managers and agents and lawyers everyone's looking for that next great voice mm-hmm. you know i think um you know my buddy mason novick uh yeah represents uh some phenomenal talent but you know diablo cody you know came out of nowhere and he just liked the voice and said let me do something with it and just as an example of like a really famous sort of story but you know it's we're constantly looking everywhere constantly yeah guys that I have are like, uh, that guy, every single one of them comes from a different place and I, I give my card out well, I don't have cards anymore but I give my number out to people at coffee shops if I see them writing I don't care what's the worst thing that happens I read a shitty script <laughs> I'll just stop I love hearing it, that yeah 
We frequently hear the term voice thrown around. And for a lot of newer writers who don't really understand that concept, because uh, it's sort of difficult to quantify and explain what that means, to you, what does it mean when a writer has a strong voice? What is some of the ways that that translates into their screenplay? Um, you know, uh, I think it's it's pretty simple. It's it's just, you know, when you when you go out at night, or you go out to some party or some event or something, right? And you meet somebody who just leaves a lasting impression. Yeah. And that's who you remember in the morning. Somebody said, what did you do last night? And you said, oh, I met this so-and-so. Yeah. Like, that's the same thing when it comes to writing. That's fantastic. Like, if you're, if you're reading something and it leaves a lasting impression, and you go, God, that, that guy just really, or that you know, writer just really had something special. Right. That's just, that's what it is. That's a great description. You know, we're, we're all looking for, uh, you know, as, as every network head will tell you, all they want are master storytellers. Yeah. And you know it when you see it. Yeah. And someone's either got a vision for something or they don't. Right. And it doesn't matter how bizarre or how small the story really is. If it's told well, that voice will shine. Yeah. No, that's a great description. Brief, concise, and perfect. Right. How many screenplays would you say you read in an average week? I don't know, man. That's a tough one. <laughs> That's a tough one. I haven't really counted. I really, I don't know. You mean just me personally? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I go through like, I try to go through one every morning. Yeah. Uh, I got a steam shower in my house and I got this notepad on my wall in the steam shower. It's <laughs> like you can write underwater with this pencil thing. So I try every morning after the gym just to bring the bring the uh, any script into the steam shower. I put like three of them next to the shower door. So if one of them 10 pages in is just horrible, I stop and grab the next one. That's commitment right there. Well, you know, you know nice. what the fuck else am I going to do in there? <laughs> you know? uh, what's one thing you see frequently in newer writer screenplays that you wish you didn't? That's a good question. Uh, it's, it's not... <laughs> It's not even newer screenwriters, it's just screenwriters in general, but I think, um, you know, almost trying to be too cutesy Mm. with that voice, trying to get that voice in there to seem special when then it feels forced, Mm. you know, sort of too much exposition, too much uh, description and cutesy sort of comparisons to certain things in pop culture that just bothers the shit out of me, to be honest with you. Yeah. Stuff like that. I don't know. Just don't try so hard. Just, if it's there, it's there. You know, don't uh, try to be cutesy with it. Yeah. I don't know if that's the actual answer, but... <laughs> I get it. Don't be cute. Yeah. Um, a, a, a reader, listener, asked us to ask you, how valuable is a recommend from a reputable coverage service or other industry source, and should a writer even mention that in their query? And from what sources would you consider strong coverage to carry weight at all and possibly elicit a read request? Coverage, I you know, when it comes to comments on coverage, yeah. I never I never care. Gotcha. Because, you know, I got I love my interns, but yeah. you know, they don't have a ton of experience. If they really like something and it's a strong recommend, then I guess it means a little something. So I'm like, all right, let me put that to the top of the pile, I guess. But I don't have so much coverage done. So if somebody that, said in their query, Oh, I got you know, a recommend or even a consider from, you know, CAA, WME, whatever. Does that? No, I I just assume you're lying anyway. Gotcha. (laughs) Nice. I mean, Um, I would. If I was you, I'd lie about it. So (laughs) why not? 
Um, do you follow or track any screenwriting competitions like Nickel or Austin or anything tracking yeah, sites like yeah. the Blacklist and that kind of stuff? And which which ones yeah, we, are your, do you just stand out to you? They, you know, it's just all of them. Yeah, you got to look everywhere. Gotcha. None of them in particular. No, no one. You know, just as many shitty scripts come out of the nickels than do, you know, some NYU festival, but nice. uh, or the Project Greenlight or something. You know, I, yeah. I don't. Uh, that doesn't bother me so much. It's just a great way to continue to look for people. Yeah. Other than being a great writer, what sort of skills or personality traits do you look for in potential clients? You know, you hear a lot of be good in the room. Yeah, yeah. That's really not. I know that. I know people that try to teach that. Mm-hmm. You can't really teach that. You know, somebody's either a winner or they're not, and you know, winners win. And you get in a room and with somebody, and they're not just polished and know how to do like that two-handed Bill Clinton handshake thing that they teach you to do, like right. power moves and like <laughs> crap about putting your hand on somebody's shoulder or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's all, whatever. But you know, it's difficult because a lot of writers are writers because they are better on the page than they are in the room. Right. And I have plenty of clients that make a very good living that uh, do much better on the page than they do in the room. And there are certain people that I would, you know, certain clients that I say, dude, you're, you're, it's between you and this other guy, like write 10 pages, just do it. Like show them what it is because you going into that room, you're just going to drool all over yourself. <laughs> And you know it, and I fucking know it. So let's just cut out the middleman and get the job. Yeah. So you got to play to everybody's strengths. Nice. Um, you know, but yeah, being being personable and fun, and you know, you will be spending a lot of time with these people. Yeah. Uh, so it would be a added bonus to want to be around these people. Yeah. But at the same time, there are some incredibly talented writers, some that we even represent, that are just not the most personable dudes in the room and you know certain women certain men doesn't matter they just don't know how to handle themselves like i wish that they would in a room but then again i can do that but i can't write so you know you do what you do and i'll protect you from the stuff that i know how to protect you from yeah nice just being realistic about it i guess yeah no absolutely when you're not in meetings rolling calls or selling specs what do you do in your free time if you have any oh man I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this long pause. Yeah, I don't know how much I could talk about on that one. I, you know, listen, I, I go out with my buddies a lot. I run around, I travel a lot. In the last couple of weeks, I've been in New York, New Orleans, Cuba, Palm wow. Springs, LA, all in the last like three weeks. Um, I'm, I like to travel for work, yeah. and if I, uh, have some stuff to do on the weekends. I really try to take advantage of it. And if I'm on a plane going somewhere, when I land, I'm working on the plane. I'm working when I'm drinking, I'm working, but I'm always having a lot more fun than most people I know. So yeah. I am a gigantic believer that all this shit can come to an end any minute now. <laughs> and uh, you got to take advantage Enjoy of the ride. Yeah. And yeah, you got to, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm Jewish and all that, but I think you got one shot at this life. So yeah. if you, uh, <laughs> you have a chance to have some fun and you're not hurting anybody else and you can still, you know, take care of everything else needs to be taken care of. And yeah, I, I always find a way to have a lot of fun. Right That's on. never an issue. Right on.
Um, we're at the part of the, of the podcast where we like to find out what you're reading, watching, playing, and listening to. Are you mm. reading anything, books, anything? I'm sure you got a lot of re- reading work to do. Yeah, um, you know, book-wise, I'm always reading something. I, yeah. I just finished something a couple days ago called um, Difficult Men, um, which is a, a book about the television business and what they call the third golden age of television, yeah. uh, HBO beginnings and FX beginnings and AMC's beginnings and sort of the showrunners and personalities and executives that made it what it is. And they're talking about Sopranos and Breaking Bad and um, Mad Men and uh, The Shield mostly and The Wire. And I'm just fascinated by shit like that. I, when I read stuff for fun, it's usually about this business because this is what I love and I love to know stories about where other people went right and where other people went wrong and, you know, try yeah. to soak up those sort of experiences. Um, I'm reading something now. What is it? The, um, shit, I got to look it up real fast. I'm actually not even reading it. I'm listening to it on tape because I'm a dick. <laughs> um, it's called The Truth. And it is by the dude who wrote, Neil Strauss. Hmm. Somebody told me to read that book, and uh, I'm listening to it. It's pretty interesting. It's just about the guy who wrote the game. You guys, you know what the game is? I've heard yeah, it's of it. Of, it's kind of it. just about like how to pick up girls yeah. for idiots, I think. But um, uh-huh. this guy who's like this you know, international player, I guess he would like to consider himself, <laughs> um, wrote a book about a much more sensitive side in a different time in his life where he was kind of coming to some grapplings with who he is and where he fits in the world as far as relationships go. And he went to like a sex addict class or something like that. And he was just kind of like figuring out his life. And it was just really, I'm only halfway through and maybe I'll finish it. I don't know. Kind of interesting. Yeah. What am I watching? You know what I love? I love Billions. Oh, cool. You watch that show? Yeah. Showtime. Great. Max Capital. That shit's fantastic. Yeah. I'm really enjoying that. Um, I just saw Batman last night, Batman, Superman. Haven't seen that yet. Heard mixed things. Yeah, it was fine. You know, if if it if you expect it to be Shakespeare, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> if you expect it to be Batman versus Superman, you're going to be very happy. Okay, right on. That's what it was. Um, playing? Are you playing any games or anything? Um, I'm not a big game, game player, to be honest with you. You know, if yeah. I gotta kill some time somewhere, I'll uh, go Angry Birds or some shit. Nice. I'm not a I'm not a big game dude. Right. I like was... games. You know, I like playing games that are like sort of mind-challenging yeah. game. Not like Angry Birds, but you know, right. <laughs> there's a bunch of apps that I that I got that are fun. All right, on. Brain Wells. One, one of them's called Brain Well. Oh, okay. Yeah, Brain Well. That's it. Okay. Right B-R-A-I-N-W-E-L-L. Some do good in the morning, first nice. thing in the morning. Alarm goes off. Do a couple of little things. Get your brain moving. Nice. And listening. What do you listen to? Um, Music-wise, yeah. I listen to a lot of hip-hop. Okay. Um, a lot of hip-hop, a lot of um, reggae, and a lot of jazz, and a lot of funk. Wow, nice. Uh, that's that's me. And lastly, do you have any advice for aspiring screenwriters, or is there anything else you want to share? Because I know you got to run. Um, you know, I think what's really what's really important is that you understand that none of this exists without the written word. And that's why I'm so excited to continue to represent writers on all different kinds of levels, and whether it's web series or it's gigantic movies or if it's TV shows, or it doesn't matter. It's just 
none of it exists without somebody coming up with an idea and then someone having enough talent to pull it off. And what you're trying to do is incredibly important, but also incredibly difficult. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about, you know, it just depends on what you consider success. Like, is a successful writer somebody who sells a screenplay or gets a pilot shot or gets a pilot made into series? Is that a success or is that like just one win on the board? Yeah. Um, and that success to me is somebody who can, you know, talk about writers, somebody who can pay their lifestyle and their family's lifestyle by being an actual writer. Right. Uh, not just today and tomorrow, but, you know, 30 years. Yeah. And that's a really difficult thing. There's not a lot of people that can do that for their lives um, to be able to be that level of a writer who's going to work for the rest of their lives. Um you know, is this really a life that you want? Yeah. Because it's very sexy and it's a lot of fun and, you know, it's it's everything you think it's going to be. And when you get that first taste of success, does that, does that satisfy you enough? And if it does, do you really think you can keep that pace up for the right. rest of your career? Because I'm telling you, there's very few writers that can make it that far. Mm-hmm. But the way I look at it is, you know, you're sitting in your class or you're sitting around with your buddies and you're all, you know, writing. Um, every one of you should be looking at the next guy going, fuck him, it's me. <laughs> because it's going to have to be somebody. Right. And I think, you know, um, hope is the greatest currency that we have in this business. Mm-hmm. And every five years or so, somebody else comes around for every year, I guess, somebody else comes around with some sort of story that becomes such a big success. And, I mean, just to use, I'm looking at a horror poster right now, but just to use horror as an example, you know, it really is, you have, when I was in the mailroom, you had uh, the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. And that movie came out of absolutely nowhere. These guys shot it for nothing and, you know, made a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. And that made it, everybody else got, well, if they could do it, I could do it. So then comes around uh, the guys who leverage their mortgage on their business for a million dollars and financed the short film that they saw. They financed into a movie called Saw. Mm-hmm. And then they made a billion dollars and bought hockey teams. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then... Orrin Pelle comes around with Paranormal Activity and does yeah. this for $25,000 and boom, he's got, you know, no financial problems the rest of his life. <laughs> I love that dude, but he don't have to worry about money anymore. Yeah. And, you know, then comes the next one, then comes the next one. And it's just in between is where most people live. In between is like everybody else who makes those little ones that you don't hear about. Yeah. Um, and those guys fade away. Mm-hmm. But, if you can get one of those lottery tickets and you can do something that becomes that special, there's nothing that those guys are doing that are different than anybody else who's not making it to that level. Um, you just got to keep trying. And I'll leave you with this, which is the first thing that somebody said to me and my old partner. It was uh, you know, one of my heroes, Neil Moritz. And he said, don't give it five minutes if you're not going to give it five years. Yeah. Nice. And that was that really hit me in a big way. Yeah, because well, it really is you know five years is five years. Yeah, that just to see if you're getting to the place where you need to go. Yeah, 
so you know this is uh, not a business for the um for the weary this yeah. is for the committed yeah. and you know you're either gonna buy an island or be fucking sent to one <laughs> but that's how it goes oh that's great thanks so much trevor yeah, thanks for having me, man. And uh, I really hope any listener of yours who wants to reach out, just shoot me an email. It's Trevor at Underground Films, F-I-L-M-S dot net. Yep. Um, and in the subject, just mention your show. and we'll, uh, we'll read any sort of queries or questions or anything like that. We'll try to get to everything. That's great. Awesome. Great. Yeah, well, I, I love what you're doing, man. Keep up the hustle. It's a great job. Thanks, man. Thank you. Not a problem, brother. Not a problem. And for more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, scriptsandscribes.com. And if you have questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at scriptsandscribes.com or send us a tweet to at scriptscribes. There's no and in the middle there, just at scriptscribes. Thank you all for listening.